Let's do it, yo. Then it's on. Do something. Something. I would rather you do something and fail than do nothing and succeed. I would rather you do something and it's small and you don't get rich than do nothing at all. Tweet Talk episode 57. It's lit. This podcast is brought to you in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me, Bob. Boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates. Exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. That's good. Are we on the end? Tweet sugar? dope what it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Megana himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode Jay-Z, episode Heinz 57. And if you don't know what Heinz, if you don't know what Heinz 57 is, then you need to catch up. Um, Jay-Z had a line about that. He said, uh, he doesn't because there's there's two different sizes of Maybacks. There's a 62 and there's a 57. And he was like something about I never do the Heinz 57 can't catch up to mine. And he was like, you know, Jay Z. Right, Heinz right, 57 right. is fake sauce, but I guess he kind of like Heinz makes ketchup. Jay Z being Jay Z. <clears throat> so I just got a new book. It's called. Um, Everyday Millionaires by Chris Hogan. And it's so funny because I'm supposed to be on another podcast, the uh, Mastermind podcast, where they talk about, um, I got to get that, where they talk about, they review books and they're like, hey man, we we tapped you for this book a long time ago. They sent me this message like a long time ago. They planned their stuff out super far in advance because that's what women do. Women plan stuff out in advance. And uh, it's uh, the book by Chris Hogan. And Chris Hogan, his publicist actually reached out to us and said, hey, we want him to be on your podcast. So he's scheduled to be on the podcast on August 17th. So I got to read his book. So I'm informed so I can have that conversation with him. And then also, so I can discuss it on the next podcast. So I'm looking forward to that book. Hopefully I can read through it. And hopefully it's read by the author. Because if it ain't read by the author, I ain't really messing with it. Uh-uh. Oh, you got the you got the audio book. Yeah. I was surprised when I saw you got it. I was like, Charles is going to read Chris Hogan? Like debt-free, um, completely debt-free, straight up cash type philosophy? You know he's under Dave Ramsey, right? Right. I, I feel like you got to have as much information as possible. So... Contrary to popular belief, I don't just read stuff that agrees with my viewpoint. And so that's true in personal finance. And that's also true when it comes to like social justice issues. And so it's like I've read <clears throat> that one book by Michelle Alexander. Um, Is that the Color the of Law? Amendment. Uh, oh. I, don't, I don't think it's called that. I've read that also. I read The Color of Law. And I also read, I forget what it's called, but it basically talks about like the 13th Amendment and mass incarceration. And so it's like, I don't want... I don't want people to think that my my views are naive and ignorant and misinformed. In fact, they're probably very informed. I don't just, I, I take information in and then I come to my own conclusion. I don't take other people's conclusion and then adopt that as my conclusion. And I feel like so many people do that and they act as though they're above you because they haven't really actually given it thought. How does everybody think the same thing? They don't think the same thing. They just repeat the same things. And so I just, I feel like that's very important to be exposed because you want to, 
honestly, there's truth in all this stuff. It's not like my way of thinking is the only way of thinking. Like, no, Dave Ramsey, if I ever get into credit card debt again, I get out of credit card debt the Dave Ramsey way, the snowball method. Um, I follow those baby steps. Dave Ramsey has gotten me to a lot of where I'm able to do the things that I do today. But I feel like you got to kind of still take bits and pieces of what works and kind of create your own strategy. It's not just like Dave Ramsey or a bust. It's like, okay, you say some cool stuff, Michelle Alexander. You say some cool stuff, this person. I hear you. They were mean to us. That is some really jacked up stuff. But my solution doesn't have to look like your solution just because I agree with you on the problem. So we can all agree that there's a problem. We just have to agree on how we go about solving that problem. It's so funny. I was listening to the last episode and I have my microphone with me and it sounds way different. I don't know if you noticed it, but the sound quality is way different when I use my mic versus when I use my AirPods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. I got to get my um, audio set up better too. What are you using? Uh, I'm using a webcam. I use a, I use a microphone and a webcam. And then, oh, you uh, bought like a... Yeah, a while ago. I've been using it for like the past like probably 20 episodes. So here's a oh. webcam. Oh, and yeah, investing, um, man. Invest in last, the production of Tweet Talks. In the last uh, couple of episodes, I've been using my Raycons for the my earbuds. And then using a microphone? I guess what kind of microphone? Are you using the microphone from the headphones or you, you bought a microphone? No, I'm not using the microphone. Microphone. It's either I'm not even sure with the Raycons. I'm not sure if the Raycons was recording. I think it's pretty. It should still be the webcam. There's a microphone. Okay, okay, okay. got it, got it, got it. I didn't know that. I want. I need to get a webcam because I want my thing to be more pristine. I know Erica. She uses a webcam. A webcam. I, my my next goal is to get a, a boom mic. So I want to get a boom mic that has like an arm and that I yeah, want to yeah. put it on the other side of this desk and then it's going to just hold the microphone. And so I'm probably going to have to get another microphone and then I'll probably get like the different brands on the side of the microphone. We got to level up, man. We got Chris Hogan coming on the show. It's time to level up. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. You got to send me... Um, like, I'm ready to get you some... Micro- I got to send you a microphone. That's what I did for Rashawn. I sent her a microphone. I'm ready to get you some guests for the other podcast, but you got to send me the, the, the link the, um, to schedule them. You, you need to ask Sheridan for that information because Sheridan all right. does all that stuff. And if not Sheridan, Layla. Cool. And I'm about to bring on Michelle, the entrepreneur, the mom entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You notice how peeps. We got peeps, man. I only like hiring fine women, though. <laughs> you shouldn't it shouldn't be like that but you just want to be around fine women you know they're not they're not they're not bad women to look at it's like if i'm gonna talk to you i want to you know what i'm saying i'm not going like you know i'm not gonna cross the line right right but wait i saw you also <laughs> i saw you also had a new another new book um businessman first or business yes straight fire um it's a very quick read i want to i need to finish reading that tonight it's like a hundred pages. And so it's about Henry Parks of Park Sausages. He's an African-American entrepreneur out of Baltimore. The reason why I even know of this book is because of um, one of the guys who helps me on the real estate side. His name is Lamontre. He's from Baltimore. And he was just talking about different black business, Baltimore legends. And so I was like, I got to check that out, man. So he told me that a book. And there's another book by about like another entrepreneur named like Little Willie or something like that. Um, and so I got both of those books. Um, the goal is to kind of create a library in my office. So I need to get like a bookshelf. So I'll probably get a bookshelf soon. Um, but yeah, man, I haven't gotten that far into it, but what I've read so far is straight fire. 
it's definitely the stuff that I subscribe to. Um, mm-hmm. One of the gems that I've read so far is he was talking about how like when he was getting out there and he was starting his business, people were saying like, oh, you can't get into that industry. Like all the big players already dominate that space. And he was like, African-American people, like we, we, it's, we're out here like so afraid, but it's like, what are we holding on to? What are we holding on to? We holding on to like bullshit, right. poverty, struggle. He's like, we have nothing to run from. We have everything to run toward. We have so much to run after, but we're not running. We're just like, nah, fam, it's risky. It's scary. It's this. Even with options, it's like, what happens? You, you lose 500 bucks? Darn. But what's the possibility if it, you do get it right? We got people out here making 70 grand in a month, 70 grand in a month. And if they aren't making it that way, they're making it via an affiliate. They're making it through all these different things we have access to. We got a lot to run toward so much. There's an abundance of stuff for us to be going after by doing the right stuff that it doesn't even make sense for people people to say like you, like, think about it. If I decide I'm going to charge people to become an affiliate and nobody does it, it didn't work. Then I go back to doing it for free. But what I ended up doing is creating a whole nother source of income for myself. Money that if you don't need, because you didn't even like, think about it. If you have an idea, you already have your working income, you already have other businesses. And then you take something, you create it. That's just savings at that point. All the money that I took, that I made there, I just put it into my Webull account. And now I got a Webull account with some cash that I can invest in options. So it's like, aside from all my other accounts, it's like you, the money is inside our brain. We think the money is inside of their hands or their acceptance or their reparations. No, the money is here. Yeah. What you got, Raphael? I got my mic. Yeah. Before I jump in, tweets real quick. I saw um, got the email from By the Block. Yeah, I know. You got your Todd Capital shirt this week, and I don't have mine on. We, we switched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's usually I have it on, and then you're wearing like a button up or something or a polo. And I was just thinking about that right before the show because this guy on Twitter, Six Flagger High Side Hustle, whatever his name is, every time he posts a picture of the two of us, he keeps saying, Yo, Charles, why are you, never, why are you not wearing Todd Capital's gear? Oh, yeah. It's funny. He, um, I never, I don't see that. Maybe I have him muted. I don't know. I apologize if I have him muted. But I've seen him. He came on one of my lives and he was like, Where's your Thai Capital stuff? And yeah, the Paris one. I saw him say that. Oh, I was like, Yeah, I probably should have on some stuff. But I had to wash clothes, man. Can I wash clothes? But I am in the process of ordering all new shirts because um, I like my shirts to be fresh. And so I got to order some new shirts, which means I need to d- design some shirts. So that's the process. <laughs> that's funny. I was ready. I gotta, we, do, they, do it again so I, I can put change. this on Instagram. Let's put this on. Hold on. Let me put it on the full gonna, screen. Right I had now. it ready just in case I had to switch shirts, man. Like, hold on. Me, let me do full screen. I'm ready to switch. Wait, hold on. Hold on. I got to turn the fan off. It's blowing the dang thing. <laughs> I got it. That's funny. He's a cool dude, but I still am kind of leery of people who tweet behind cartoon characters. You never know who's tweeting that stuff, man. I hear you. I hear you. Funny, where we at, Raphael? Where we at? I need to order some shirts. I just don't know what I should order. Oh, I was saying, um, I don't know if you saw the email from uh, By the Block. Like, I guess they're releasing the shares. They sent us the account info wow. with our shares from the, uh, the By the Block project. It's impressive. Yeah, it's nice. But I just looked, I just looked it it's, up. I it just seems did. like Tulsa, Tulsa probably should have went through them instead of creating their own little thing. I saw, um, I don't know if you saw it, but Chris 
Senegal actually interviewed Jay Morrison right before he closed the um, Tulsa Real Estate Fund. Is that still and active or was that one of those uh, like Instagram lives? It's, I, I believe it's on YouTube. Oh, I'm about to check that out. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. That out. And, and at some point when they were talking and Jay Morrison looked at him and said, man, I should have did it the way you did it. Because he's saying like uh, Chris got the property first, secured the property first, and then mm. he raised the funds. So Jay was saying, man, I should have done it that way instead, man. Yeah. I mean, but you, but it was, you live and you learn. The problem is we don't let our people learn. We're just like, ah, you made a mistake. Instead of just like, bro, like, all right, cool, let's pivot. But yeah, I mean, I'm finding that you got to stay in your lane. If you are a real estate investor, stop trying to be the accountant. Stop trying to be the person that tracks the numbers. Stop trying to be the person that does all the taxes and the contracts. I don't want to be that no more, man. I can do it and I can kind of advise it, but I don't want to be the person doing all that stuff anymore. I'm, I'm past that. Well, now I see Julian Gordon. I just saw this right as we recorded the show. Julian Gordon has a, a project up there now. I did see that. I was about to invest in that this morning. Definitely going to get some of my money. Julian's a good oh, dude. I got to look into that, see what it, because I'm trying to put some, I don't even have to look at it. I'm like, man, I'm going to put something in that too. Julian is the homie, man. You got to put some money in that, whatever it is. White Bat, Baton Rouge, 184 multifamily units plus 12,000 square feet of commercial. Ooh, minimum investment is 1,000. Okay. Okay. Tell him to tell right. him while and out. <laughs> he, can, he can do whatever he wants to do. He can do whatever he wants to do. And he's going to get his, he's going to get his 400,000 or whatever he's looking for. So let's start off with the tweets. Let's start right here. You said, don't get outraged, just improve. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm designing a new shirt. But I forgot what I was, what that was in reference to. Mm-hmm. I think it actually was a tweet talk line. <laughs> I think I was listening to tweet talk and I heard and I, I made that comment. And uh, it was in, in, in it was, uh, we were talking about how you have artists who do it the Master P way, which is very rare. And you have artists who do it the non-Master P way. And we were talking about how what happens is later on after they, begin, they become famous, then we decide, oh, they got taken advantage of. It's racist. It's this. And I was like, that doesn't really serve you to, to put yourself in a defeated victim kind of mode, it doesn't help you. You might think it's helping you. You might think getting pity and getting all these different things is helping you, but it's actually kind of the epitome of white supremacy. If you act as though no matter what you do, you can't do it so they have to help you, you're actually just perpetuating white supremacy. And so I say that to say that we got to stop seeing everything is we can't and we got to start figuring out what we can do to improve. Because it's interesting. I was I was in like downtown LA. You see a lot of different types of African American people. And some of us are doing very well and some of us aren't doing well. And so it makes you wonder, it's the same America. What's the difference between those of us that are doing well and those of us that aren't doing well? The answer is those of us are doing well decided we're going to do well. We decided that we're not going to let anything get in our way. We decided we're going to do whatever it takes. And so instead of getting outraged and pointing at all the stuff that we all know exists, and I've said that before, I was like, I'm not ignorant. I know slavery happened. I know that Jim Crow happened. I know that there are systems in place currently, but I'm still not going to let that stop me. I'm going to choose to improve. I'm going to choose to work when they're not working. I'm going to choose to read what they're not reading. I'm going to choose to watch podcasts instead of watching Netflix. I'm going to choose to get that extra degree. I'm going to choose to be better 
instead of just being subpar and then blaming my lack of getting what I want on everybody else but myself. And I feel like it's very easy to go that route. And that's why so many people do it. But I think we got to truly start being honest with ourselves because you'll say something and people are like, no, no, slavery, Jim Crow is like, bro, like there's people who have done it. And you're still out here telling us about stuff that we know exists, like get on the good foot. And I, and I realized that when I look at my family, like I look at my family and I see I have three aunts, four uncles, and my mom is the, the fourth daughter. And you'll look at like, I have certain cousins that do well. I have certain cousins that don't do well. I have certain aunts and uncles that do well. I have certain aunts and uncles that don't do well. And so for me, what I've always done is I study those that do well. I'm like, what are they doing? What made them be able to win? And so, I mean, one of the most obvious things is I saw like uh, one of my cousins and like he was always fly. And I used to think that we were always were kind of like on the same, same scale, but we weren't. And the reason why we weren't on the same scale, despite us being the same age, having the same grandparents, the difference was his mom got married and they stayed married. And that made all the difference. And I started to look at that. I was like, dang, that marriage makes a difference. And my mom got remarried and I saw the dynamics. I'm like, okay, this okay, I get it now. Like I would I'm I'm locked in. And you don't have to, I mean, if you are in a situation, you can still kind of do whatever you gotta do. But I just I look at what winners do. And that's why I read information and literature on successful African-American people, because we can all say we can't win. But I'm like, nah, fam, he did it and I want to do it. So I need to figure out what did he do differently than what you guys are doing that I can do that's going to allow me to get to that point. Like Dame Dash, Master P, all this stuff. I'm not out of here trying. Like I tell people, like, I mean, thank all the listeners. But like in a lot of sense, my tweets are it's black person's personal finance. So if I'm telling you, you got to start a business, it's not because there's not jobs out there that'll pay you well. There are. You go to tech, you go to Facebook, you go to that. There are jobs that will pay you well. The problem is we're like 5% of their working force. So do you want us all to be competing for 5% like we do sports and athletics? That's basically what you're saying. You're saying, man, we could just be the professional athletes of the tech space. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But you got to go to the right school. You got to have the right grades. You got to have then done everything right. And one slip up, and now you're likely not going to be able to get to where you go to. And a lot of people aren't going to have that pedigree, but they can start a business. They can improve things for people. They can help other people. They can, they can fill a need. We got a whole bunch of those. It frustrates me because it's like, I see us and we have so much skills, but instead of giving our skills card to our community, we rather just work a mother effing job. I'm like, bro, you know, education, please start a school, bro. You know this, please do that. Like, dude, Dude, we gotta we gotta solve our problems, man. And it's like, and then it's like, I'm I'm the Uncle Tom because I'm like I'm not waiting for them to save us. I don't care what they did. I'm the Uncle Tom because I choose not to be a victim. But the victims, they they pro black. We love them, but they ain't doing shit to advance us. What have they created? What conference have they put on? What products did they bring into the market? What free stuff have they done for the community? I did a whole bunch of free before I even started doing any of this stuff, and I still do it. Crisis and no crisis. Black Lives Matter protesters are nowhere to be found right now. They didn't create no programs. They didn't start doing anything to actually like solve the problem. All they do is get mad, get mad at police officers, and then go back and live in their life. And that's whack. Get donations. Get donations. Donations. <laughs> that's what Uma's best. Man, we're so, about to rehab steel, man. We're about to have steel rehabbed. We're about to have four home or What's going on, Raphael? For the listeners, he's talking about uh, the top capital investments in Detroit real estate. That's what he's talking about. We having some homes, some single family rentals. It's lit, man. I'm hungry. I just, I, I tell people, you give a boss some money, and we're just gonna become a bigger boss. Like that's all we do. We're not out here 
Like a lot of people, they will retire if they're me. Me, Saturday, in the office, getting it in. I'm hungry. I'm like, I've seen, I've seen what's possible. That's that's all. I, I didn't see like, oh, that's enough. Like, no, we up here creating shirts, polishing up our marketing, investing in resource. Like, it's we chasing big stuff. Don't let yeah. them tell me what they think I am, because we gonna get did that you, whole floor. Did you get? Did you collect that uh, vending machine money today, man? I did. I did. She was looking at me crazy all day. She was like, "Bro, like, what you doing?" It's funny. That's why you need a wife, because yeah, I haven't talked about wife- like marriage in a while, but. She definitely so your, wife will, your wife will look at you crazy. Like, why are you home? Like, you ever heard that story when, um, when Grant Cardone said he, he went broke at the last recession? Mm-hmm. He came home and his wife was like, how was your day? And he said, man, it was terrible. So she said, so what are you doing at home? Right. I remember that one. What are you doing at yeah. home then? Like, you said you would take care of me. You better get back out there. Yeah. I feel like it's important, get- man. It's kind of like a coach. It's like... In a lot of instances, if you don't have that coach sitting there, you're just gonna slack off. But you get you get a you get a wife, and she's gonna be on you. She's gonna be like, "Bro, like I can't eat you. Just you just sitting down here on the couch. They be looking at you crazy. You on the couch trying to rest. I just needed to rest. That's all. I was like, man, I'm tired. I've been running around, working like crazy hours during the week. But I knew I was gonna get up and do what I had to do. It just wasn't gonna be one of those situations where I wake up again at six o'clock. I was like, bro. I don't want to wake up at six o'clock every day. Sometimes I want to leave the house and do this stuff late, but I'm getting a tan. This is crazy. I'm getting so dark. Yeah, why don't let you uh, sit around and do nothing? Man. Nope. And real, real quick, um, this lady, I'm not sure what her real name is. Think her name on the sports agent. She's on Twitter. Think her name on Twitter is one one Tay Jordan or something like that. She has her own podcast for culture, and she had a tweet talking about. Bone Thugs and Harmony is more influential than Wu Tang. I think it. I think I forgot to write back to. It's like you're wrong <laughs> because Bone Thugs influence just goes as far as what sing song rapping. Like maybe some people took on their style, but that's about it. Wu Tang, on the other hand, was the first rap group that had that first of all got a decent deal with their points on their contract, and everybody in the group had the ability to go get their own solo deal with different companies. Yeah, because like Redman was. Wu Tang, right? Or who was in Wu Tang? No, Wu-Tang? he was affiliated with them eventually. But but before Wu Tang, when a record label signed a group, if you had to come up with a solo album, you had to go through that same record label. You were still tied to them until Wu Tang mm-hmm. came along. And the RZA put it in the contrast. They could go to any company they wanted to. So that whole Wu Tang versus Bone Thugs, Wu Tang wins that one. Never even heard that argument. I never really was into Bone Thugs like that. Um, my cousins were. They used to like them a lot, but I just never. I didn't listen. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to listen to a lot of non-edited rap music when I was growing up. <laughs> so, yeah. So you had a tweet: "Make a fortune for my son." That's what I'm in it for. Man, so I'm kind of mad that I wasn't able to go to his vending machine today because it was closed. I went to three locations. Actually, I went to four locations. Could only get into three. Um, but the one that I I go to because we have a three lo- we have a three location route that's like our families and. Um, Usually whenever I get that cash, I just dump it right into his cash bowl. So the affiliate money is his and that's doing well. Did four grand last month, got like seven grand coming in this month. Um, and I've already made maybe like 1500 for this month and it's only the eighth of the month. So I'm actually feeling kind of good. But the thing is, um, hold on, let, me see, let me read this email really quick. All right. So um, first and foremost, that was a rap song. A lot of all my stuff is a rap song. Like some of my best songs are rap songs. And that's by Currency, who's one of my favorite rappers. But it, it relates. It's like I was I put out this tweet yesterday and it was like my mom 
and I used to get into arguments, but it was never really arguments about like me not doing what she wanted me to do. It was more so like me wanting her to do more to help me accomplish my goals. And a lot of stuff that I've done, I've had to do on my own, getting through law school, um, getting through college, um, getting the house, like everything that I've had to do, I've had to hustle for. And it frustrates me because on the other hand, like my sister, they just be giving her everything. Like my sister, she had a, like, they gave her a car, they paid for all her stuff. And I was just like, it's crazy because it's like, I could go so much further if you would just help me. If you would just help me do this stuff, I could do so much. And we used to get into arguments because she just didn't feel like she had to. And I mean, granted, I was given a very nice life, but sometimes parents feel like it's their responsibility to get you to 18. It's their responsibility to keep you alive. And my mom, she extended it to college. She's like, it's my responsibility to get you a degree. My dad, he was like, child support stops at 18, so we done. (laughs) But I feel like that is just, it's, somebody put out a tweet and they were talking about how like, and all this, all this goes together. Somebody put out a tweet and they were talking about how like, there's a lot of toxic traits in African-American families that we just don't talk about. And I was like, I'd be calling them out. And one of them, one of them is fathers who just dip. Either they dip in the beginning or they dip at 18. I don't think fatherhood stops at 18. Actually, I know it doesn't stop at 18. And that's why I'm not going to do that. I don't think that we should raise young men in the way that in a lot of ways I was raised, where you're left to fend for yourself. And then everybody else gets to float on top of what's easy. You can hustle on top of privilege. Just because you're privileged doesn't mean that you stop. If my son has 10 grand coming in a month, why not get 25? There is an abundance out there. You can always get more. We have this thought process that if you're not struggling, that you're not doing enough. Like if you're not struggling, then you soft. Like, no, there's so much abundance to get out there. And so the reason why I go so hard for my son, a reason why, is because I don't want him to have to go through that. I don't want my son to have to feel like he has to do it on his own, like he has to suffer, like he has to struggle. I don't want him to feel what I felt. And granted, a lot of that has pushed me to where I am now, but it shouldn't have to be like that. It shouldn't have to be where you rise or rise or fail based on your own efforts. That's not how successful communities exist. Successful communities exist where you're going to succeed, period. If I got to if I got to push you there, if I got to carry you there, if I got to pull you there, we're going to get you there. Um, and that's that's why I do it. I, I always told myself, like, I was I was given a lot. I was given more than most. But I still feel like we could have done that extra thing. I still feel like they 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 kind of let me down in that respect. I don't know why, but the frustrating part about it is you look at the kids that they do help and they don't be about shit. Like the the children they get the most help, they get the most support, they'll be the ones cussing out the parents. They be the ones making all the mistakes. I was like, I've lived a model life, Raphael. I don't get enough credit for this. And I'm gonna say, I've lived a model life. I went to college, I went to high school, I went to college, I joined a frat, I graduated college, I got a degree in my space, I went back to school, got out of school, got married, had a kid, bought a house. I've literally lived the American dream. But what's frustrating is I've had to do it by myself, man. And I don't feel like I should have to. I mean, granted, it kind of has fostered into me this ability that I'm not gonna let anybody get in front of me. I'm gonna get it done. But I made a lot of mistakes and it hasn't always been pretty. Um, it hasn't always been pretty. Uh, I was talking to my mom, to my wife about this and we were talking about how like I had this situation where my tags were bad on my car and they towed my car. And then like, I also in the same time, I had like a bunch of like toll violations. And so it was like super expensive for me to get it out there. 
And my wife was like, I've never had that happen to me. I was like, we well, also don't have to pay as much stuff as I pay for. I was like, you think this money just comes from nowhere? You think me <laughs> taking you out to dinner is just money that's magically appearing? No, no. You think me taking you to Cabo magically appears? No. You think me buying the groceries? And not, no, the money has to come from somewhere. And if I'm pulling it from somewhere, it's likely not going other places as well. And so that's the reason why I hustle. You know what? I was going to say something else, but when you say that just now, it reminded me of uh, a Jewish guy I used to work with. He used to be my manager at this restaurant I used to work at. And he was doing, I don't know exactly what he was doing, but he was doing something less than legal on the side. He was like, invest, he was, I think he was giving cash to somebody who was investing in real estate and then he was getting back dividends somehow, something like that. So he was making money on the side, off the books, outside of the job. He was making good money on his job too, but he got married and then that little side hustle thing went down. I think the guy got arrested or whoever he was working with, I didn't take part in it or whatever it was. I never knew exactly what it was, but I know he was even getting money other people, people bringing him cash and he was like investing it. And I think that person ran into trouble, got arrested or whatever. So that cut off his stream of income. And he was kind of like worried because I'm sure his wife didn't know about it. And his wife was already used to the high life. And he's like, like, what are you going to tell her? Like, she doesn't know that he had all this extra income coming in on the side, but she's already used to it. So he was, uh, he was worried about that, man. Like, what's he going to do? But what you're talking about is like, I think they said in the, the millionaire next door, they talk about strengthening the weak and weakening the strong or something like that. Or strengthening the strong and weakening the weak. Like giving all the financial help to the weak ones, which makes them weaker, but not giving money to the ones who are strong. And it ends up making them stronger. You know, because they say, "Oh, well, Charles, Charles got it. He's a he's a boy." And then when you, when you start to exceed and succeed, it's like, "Well, okay, well, he's he's doing good, so he doesn't he really doesn't need our help." Yeah, I hear you. And the funny thing about it is, my wife is that to her family. So. Like she's always been the kid who's done what was right. Um, she's gotten more help than I've gotten, but she hasn't gotten as much help as her sister has gotten. Her sister, and, and I was thinking about this today. I was like, it's interesting because if you look at like my circle of friends, a lot of us that went to college, our younger siblings didn't, or if they did, it didn't work out. And it's very interesting because across the board, like the first sibling does well, the second sibling kind of struggles. And I don't know why that is, but I know my sister's kind of been that, um, God bless her. Um, but I know like all my friends and my frat, like my friends, like they, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to be speaking on stuff, but I've just noticed that. I wonder why it is, um, but maybe it is because people get more help. I don't know. I feel like maybe when you're like the first child, like your parents can't really give you too much because they want to make sure they have enough for the second child. I don't know. And I, I was, it's funny because that's one of the things that I look at in that book, The Millionaire Next Door, he was talking about how a lot of times like they do invest more into the, to the daughter and they let the son fend for himself. But I never read that piece. And so I got to go track that down because I'm, I'm really curious to see what they say about that. But that's what happened because it's like now I just been chopping at the wood, hustling, grinding. And now it's like, I'm the resource for my family. <laughs> so now it's like, they be coming to me, like, and I'll be, mean, you know, so I don't know. Also, it could be like, if you're the, the first one, they don't, sometimes the parents don't have it right yet with the first one. And then the second one comes along, they, they've already been making money doing stuff like that. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Master P said, like, Romeo, Romeo was, was with him when he was broke, when he was in the street still hustling. You know, all the other kids came behind him and he was already making millions of dollars. And so, of course, they're probably all spoiled. You know, they're all used to that stuff. But he said, Romeo was with me, with me in the streets and stuff like that. 
I can see that being true. Yeah, you know, you didn't have it right. I don't know what your particular situation is, but you said in a tweet, you don't buy four homes at once with confidence if you never start. Um, a lot of people don't want to start investing in real estate. Like, so I'll say this. When I first started buying homes out of state, people thought I was crazy. They're like, you're buying homes with all these people. You're not going to make that much money. Um, what if all these bad things happen? And what I found is like that struggle creates strength. And now I'm over here and I'm just like, all right, I've done this before. I've bought homes long distance before. I've sent out people that I met on the internet to take pictures before. In fact, I'm doing even better now. I've had to fly out and do things before. I've talked to property managers before. So I have, I'm having this conversation with a property manager and it's an informed conversation. I'm like, we own this. We've been self-managing for about two years, three years, and we're quite honestly sick of doing it. I don't want to self-manage anymore. I want to pawn off that part of my business so I can focus on scale. I want to focus on buying more units. Even the same thing with the vending machines. So I was really saying that because so many people are unwilling to start unless they can go big. So many people are unwilling to start unless it means they're going to make a bunch of money on that deal. But I feel like doing something is better than doing nothing and taking action is going to help you land where you got to go. And so I was tweeting this and I was like, man, and I don't know if you're going to pull this out, but I was walking to my car this morning and I was looking at it and I was like, bro, yesterday I made as much money as this car cost when I bought it four years ago. And then I remembered that like four years ago, I was sitting around talking to all these people at, at Al's office, at the at the private office. This is when we were all interns. And I was talking to like the two other interns and they were African-American males. And I was telling them, I was like, man, like I'm looking at buying these homes and doing this and doing that. And they're like, oh, you're going to be a slumlord. Oh, you're going to be blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't do that. That's not smart. I wouldn't do that. That's not smart. They used to always downplay everything, but I did it anyway. I took action and that action four years later, now has positioned me to find a pool of homes that makes sense for me to buy. And I'm not buying it for Ty Capital. I'm buying it for Oglesby Holdings. I'm buying it for my family. I'm buying it for my wife. I'm buying it for my son. I'm creating that income for my family. Um, and so there's a lot that I've kind of thought of there. Like when I had a son, I started realizing like, if I'm making money for anybody else, it's going to be for my family. Like I love y'all and everything, but you can do so much for somebody and they'll still be ungrateful. They'll still be coming at you crazy. And so I'm grateful for that experience, but now it's like family first. I got to hustle for my last name, not be out here trying to save the world. I mean, granted, we are helping a lot of people and I think you can do both, but that's just the space that I'm in. The Steel House is a tie capital project, but we still got to figure out how we're going to do that because if I'm putting up all the cash, we got to figure out how we're going to work out that, that payment structure. And it might not be 50-50, it might be 60-30, 70-30, 63-33, something along those lines if I'm putting up all the cash because it's not going to be cheap. So I say all that to say that maybe we'll do 50-50. They'll put up 20, I'll put up 20. It's going to be a $40,000 rehab. I say all that to say, do something, do something. The reason why, the, hold on one second, my wife is calling me. Yes. Do you actually have Jesus in your name? Yeah. Should I take it out? Yes, that's not okay. All right. You're on live right now. You might be on the podcast. Well, no, <laughs> Jesus in your handle name is not okay. All right. I'll see you later. Right. Bye. Uh, See, should we keep that? Should we keep that in the in the in the recording? Uh, I don't care. <laughs> Visit getlacedlaces.com. Do your sneakers look just like everyone else's? Could your sneakers use an upgrade? Be sure to slide on down to getlacedlaces.com and grab some premium laces. These laces will make your sneakers stand out, guaranteed. That's www.getlacedlaces.com. Premium shoes need premium laces. Go get yours now. You can also connect on social media at Principal P DMC. <laughs> I, actually, 
I actually did see that on Twitter, and it was like, I just looked at it and laughed. Like, okay, <laughs> Black Well Jesus. I was like, okay. I'm having fun, man. I have fun. I don't be too serious all the time. I'm serious, but I'm also joking. Right, so, right, right. what I was saying is, do something. Do something. something. I would rather you do something and fail then do nothing and succeed. I would rather you do something and it's small and you don't get rich than do nothing at all. Like, I was thinking about this. I was like, man, I'm constantly learning about the vending machine space. Like, for example, like I went and I got my stuff and um, I realized, I was like, man, like my, my processes are kind of efficient now. Like I know what sodas are where, I know how much I got to buy, I know how to fill up the carts, I know how to fill up the car, all that stuff. And I didn't know all this before I got started. I knew it because I had to throw away some product and it wasn't fun throwing away product. And so it's like people want to, people want year one to be rich and year one might not be rich. Rich might be year five, but the goal is to get rich. The goal isn't to just, the goal, the goal is to get rich. I don't care how long it takes. Get rich, and you're not gonna get rich without taking action. I'm so happy, white corn. But um, I was, I was, I mean, you pretty much covered it now. But I was gonna bring up these two tweets that obviously are connected. Don't let people talk you out of taking action, and it doesn't have to be perfect action. But you better do something. Hey, you got to. You got to like the the book, the 10x rule changed my life because it talks about just taking action, doing a bunch of stuff, taking a bunch of action. He didn't say take perfect action. He didn't say plan everything out. He didn't say planning was the key to success. He said doing stuff is the key to success. Doing, doing is how you learn. That's it. And thankfully in a business, a lot of times you earn while you do things. And I've seen a lot of people just launch stuff. Like, that's why I tell people, launch it. I don't care. Launch it. You'll figure it out. If you launch, like, don't ask me what you should do. Launch it. Let the market tell you what you're going to do. Launch it. Let your mistakes tell you what you should have done. That's that's the gym there. And it's very, very basic, but it's very, very hard. It's actually hard to launch stuff. It's hard to put stuff out there and be criticized. Honestly, I thought about charging for admins before I did it. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. And you know what happened? I made $5,000. Made $5,000. That I didn't need. I'm okay with like the thing is, is there's so many of us that could be just be putting stuff out there and just doing it. But like that fear of perfection is what it keeps us on the on on the fence, not doing anything. And it also keeps us broke. It keeps us from making five thousand dollars that we didn't need. I want I want that money I don't need, man. I need cash that I didn't account for. Not cash. Like a lot of times people get that paycheck, they already know where it's going. That's yeah. why that side hustle is so important. It's like you get cash, you're like, I didn't have no plans for this. I guess I'll just put it in my Weebull account. I guess I'll just put it over here. I guess I'll just put it over there. Like that's that's wealth. The money that you didn't account for, the money that you don't need. Chris said that. You need money that you don't need. You're not gonna get that if you don't do stuff and put stuff out there and try and taste and and test different things out. And that's pretty much like the definition. Of, well, it's not the def- exact definition of wealth, but that's what wealth is. Money you don't need. Yep. If you need it, then it's not wealth. Um, said your business needs cash that cash might come from your customers or from your other side hus- side hustles but it's not going to come for you turn up on a friday and recovering all day saturday so i had this tweet that i think was before that and it was like if you weren't out grinding driving uber last night but you're broke you don't really want it bad enough a lot of people are willing to complain not a lot of, people, a lot of not a lot of people are willing to work and quite honestly, there was a point in my life when I was driving Uber late. I used to be driving Uber, getting it in, getting these bucks in. But the thing is, what we got to realize is like what you're doing is you're building up the habits. Everything that you're doing on the way to your million 
doesn't have to be at a million dollar level. Sometimes just being the person that has the ability to work when everybody else isn't working is going to translate into when you do start being able to do million dollar activities. Now you're making million dollar activities. So um, in, in saying that, I realized that like in the beginning, you're going to need cash for your business. You got to invest in different things. You got to buy different things. And a lot of people are expecting that money to come from the actual customers. And that'd be great if it did. I think your customers should be your first investor. I think your customers should be your investors. Google's customers invest in their business. They don't even know it. If you see a business and you look at their line items and they have like, they invest in research and development. They invested in more merchandise. Like you have to use your business to invest in your business. And that's what I do. Um, and that's what every growth company does. And if you're a startup, you're a growth company by default. And so I just feel like if your business isn't getting traction, that's not an excuse to stop running your business or stop investing in your business. And so you got to bring more money. And so we all talk about how like your nine to five should be your, should be used to invest into your business and invest into your freedom. The problem is a lot of times these nine to fives don't want to pay you enough to get free. That would be, it just wouldn't make business sense to pay you enough to leave them. And so they typically don't. But if you make money outside of them, that sure get free money. And so that might be driving Uber. That might be all these different side hustles, renting out a bedroom on Airbnb, all these different things you could be doing that aren't comfortable. But you also know what isn't comfortable? Being broke and not having a business that's successful is not comfortable either. So you got to choose what's uncomfortable to you. Either uncomfortable is going to look like not being able to buy what you want or do what you want, or uncomfortable is going to look like working when you'd rather be sleeping. But you got to get uncomfortable to get what you want. Right. You gotta get that cash from someone. Seed your dreams. And you said consumption isn't the reason you are broke. You are broke because you make all your money on the wrong side of the cash register. Problem is, it takes money to get on the other side, and you spend all your money on bullshit. So the 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 thought behind this tweet is, I was reading, I was on like Instagram, and I saw a tweet from some guy who's famous, and he was talking about how like. We think that there's no money in the African-American community. We think we don't have any money, but you got all these Jewish people, Arab people, Hispanic people building businesses in our hood and getting rich in the process. And so I started to think, my first thought was, man, I told y'all to stop buying Jordans. But then I was like, that's not enough. I was like, not spending your money isn't enough to get rich. What gets you rich is when you can start being an owner, when you can start making astronomical income. People look at us and they're like, oh man, you're making so much money. Well, that's because we switched how we make our money. I don't make my money via hours anymore. I make my money via products. And I can sell as many products as I want, especially when they're digital. So it's like, I, my, the, my income is only limited to how much I promote. And I think that's crazy because think about this. There are millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of people in the world. So it's like, my followers aren't any shit. F your followers. You got to find the people that you didn't even know exist. The people that are following your followers, the people that are following, like even with affiliates, I was like, I used to think that I was doing too much by having all these affiliates, but there's an unlimited amount of people in the world. I just got an affiliate from Greece. He knows people from Greece. He can sell my products to people in Greece. Like I thought having like a hundred affiliates was too much. I was like, I might need a thousand. I might need 10,000. I get 10,000 affiliates. We really doing it. it. It just, it sounds crazy. But I think a thought there is I took an idea and I'm always doing this. And I wish other people would do this. Maybe they do do this. I don't know. But when you see successful people doing stuff, do it. I was watching, like, especially get those gyms from places that don't look like they have gyms. I tell people I was watching the Madam C.J. Walker documentary, or not documentary, but her movie docuseries. And they were talking about her army of, of, of salespeople. And I started to realize, like, Madam C.J. Walker didn't do anything but create the product. 
Her salespeople made her rich. They made her rich. They got out there in the streets. They sold that stuff and they probably made good living doing it. And so I was like, I need an army. I need an army of affiliates. I need people. I need people helping me promote my stuff and get my stuff in spaces where I'm not. I need people who are maybe more okay with sliding people's DMs. Like people be working. Like uh, Sierra, she's running ads on Facebook. She's doing all kinds of stuff, just killing it. In fact, so she makes more money promoting my product such that she'd rather put my link under my stuff, under her stuff. Like I, I saw she had like a Facebook ad with her Yahoo Finance and it was to my product. I was like, that's interesting. And it I makes noticed, sense. I yeah. noticed that. So, I clicked on it and it went to Todd Kevin. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So and she's been making crazy money. I think she's made 30 grand working with me. So I say all that to say that we need to do more producing, more selling, more of that kind of stuff and less of whatever the hell we've been doing that's not that because consuming and buying Gucci ain't it. And I've, I've been noticing like, it's unfortunate, but if you look at like these Forex dudes, like they really don't invest like us. Like we invest by profession. So it's like, you see me getting money. I'm over here like, damn, well, what am I buying? Vending machines, homes, stuff like that. You see them getting money. They're like, I guess I'm gonna go buy some, some chains. I guess I'm gonna just be rich. I was like, I have enough money to do all that shit. I could go and I could buy a Rolex. I could buy a Dior. I could buy all, I could get a, I could get a part apartment in downtown LA, but I'm not, I'm like, I'm getting a house for my family and I'm getting more assets. My watch doesn't have to work it's because I do this in real life. I'm not just out here recruiting people. Yep. You said take a mill, put it into something that pays you 10% annually and be free. Yep. Um, it, it, it doesn't really hit home until you start looking at your statements. And I was looking at my Robinhood this morning and I was like, I made $1,500 in dividends in June. I was like, that's kind of cool. I was like, I never made that much money in dividends before. You see a lot of people, they're talking about their dividends and they probably made like $5. Like I saw somebody, they made dividends in like MGM. And like, I was never a fan of, of dividends before. But now that I start seeing them, like, bro, like y'all just paid me for having money. And it's actually a good amount of money. And I was like, I need to do some more of that. I was like, I need more dividends. And um, I'm looking to do that. But like for me, I don't think a million dollars is rich. There's the book called The Millionaire Fast Lane. And it talks about how like you need more than a million dollars to live like a millionaire. And so a big part of the reason why I don't live like that is because you do need more to live like a millionaire. I need way more. And so like I'm focused on the way more, not focused on living out of what I have. And so I'm focused on putting that money to work because I don't ever want to not be a millionaire. And so I want to have the money there so then I can live off of the cash flow. Because if I'm living off of the cash flow, then I can have a lifestyle and still be a millionaire. And so that's why a lot of it, like if you see me invest in big cash, I'm not even investing Gumroad cash. I'm investing options community cash. The options community is going to pay for these homes. And the options community is going to pay for that rehab. The options community is going to pay for those vending machines. The options community is going to be until we're going to keep hitting it every single month. All the cash I come in is getting turned into cash flow. Why? Because there's no telling how long the options community is going to be here. I'm not, I'm I'm acting like it might be gone tomorrow. So I'm investing as such. Like that's, I like, just because you are an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you are safe. In fact, we're always in fear, just like an employee is in fear. The difference is we have the ability to do things to protect ourselves and we should, we should. So that's kind of um, my thought process. I mean, everybody wants to make six figures a year, but it's like, even then it's like, if you, if you get 10%, $100,000 a year, then it's like, okay, now we're free. Cause it's not just a matter of having the cash. Now you got the time too. So you're making six figures. You don't got to fight through traffic. You don't got to go sit in anybody's office. You don't got to work overtime. You don't got to go to these dumbass meetings. You don't got to have somebody looking over your shoulder. And so a passive six figures looks different than a working six figures. All $100,000 isn't created equal. So if I got my investments to $100,000, 
all that does is allow me to make the next M. Now I, I'm good. I'm like, I got a place in downtown. I got my house out there. My son can go to whatever school he wants. So my wife doesn't have to work. And I got my time. Man. Yeah, and you said it in the tweet. I'm never comfortable with just enough. I must exist in abundance. Um, it's it's funny because like I put in a tweet later, is that tweet had nothing to do with like money. It had everything to do with <laughs> strawberry lemonade. Because <laughs> I was like, my wife when she went grocery shopping, she did Instacart, and I was like, cool, we need some stuff. And I came home and I was like, what'd you buy? Like, it's not even any stuff here. I was like, we got one thing of orange juice, one thing of like lemonade, like we got some water. I was like, because Instacart, you know, they'd be tacking on them fees. And so maybe she spent like 200 bucks. We didn't get nothing. I was like, dang, this is crazy. I was like, when I when I go grocery shopping, I want three jugs of orange juice. I want three jugs because we drink that stuff so fast. And I don't want to be feeling like if I drink this, then it's gone. And so I was like, I need abundance around me. I need more than enough. And I feel like that's a part of the being the 10X. It's like we do more than enough. And I've always been that person. I get more degrees than I should. Um, I have more watches than I should. Um, <laughs> I got more alcohol over there than I should. I got bottles I haven't opened yet. I've kind of been finally been able to build a bar. Um, I have more computers than I should. I got this computer. I got that computer. Um, I got two laptops now because I have my older stuff and I just kept it. Um, I got more cologne than I should. I got more Yeezys than I should. Like I just uh, believe in abundance in my entire life. My mom was always kind of against that. And I've always told her like, even with like, I don't, it's not even like a selfish abundance. It's like, I want abundance for others. And so it's like my niece, like for Christmas, like I would just be hooking her up and just lacing her. And mom will be like, she don't need all that. I was like, no, I believe in abundance. Like I want her to be blessed. I want her to have more than enough. Like my son, my son doesn't need as much money as he has, but I'm doing it because I want him to have more than enough. He doesn't need $7,000 per month. I could probably put a thousand there, but it's like, why not? Why not surround ourselves with abundance? Why not aim for more than enough? That's my motto. It's always been my thought process because it's like, I feel like we've always been like a need-based society. My mom, her favorite phrase is, you don't need that. I want more than just my needs. I want to have my, I, I want it all. Like you don't need a $5,000 watch. You need it. Maybe you could be good as driving, wearing a little hundred dollar watch, but I, I want a $5,000 watch. And I feel like it exists for me to have it. If I want, like, we got to stop shutting ourselves off from what we could obtain. And I feel like we do it all the time with our words. And so I choose abundance. Um, I've always been that way. Even my, I, I, do, I just do stuff a lot. I got multiple pairs of Ray-Bans. I got multiple pairs of Persoles. If I honestly, I want to have more than one car. I was like, but it's, it's weird because people don't, they're not used to that. And that's why, like, when I was watching the, the, uh, that documentary on that that dude who was molesting girls, and I saw he had like home here, home here, home here, home here. I was like, that's dope. Like aside from him and his issues, I was like, why can't I have a place in downtown LA? Why why do I have to drive back and forth? I want to I want a place in the city. So if I'm here, I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna look at my nice view and I'm gonna turn on my TV and I'm gonna do what I gotta do. And then I also got a home in the suburbs. And then we also got a home wherever else we gotta get a home. But the first two places would be to have a home in downtown and a home there. Like, why can't I have every I never believed in either ors, and neither do successful people. There's a book that says successful people don't believe in either ors. I think it's the um Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And it's like successful people believe in both, right. not either or. 
And that's always been my mentality. I've always been like, I want it all. And people can't relate to that because people don't, maybe they just don't know enough. And that's one of the downsides of reading is people just don't know. And so you share something with somebody and they're just like, well, you're wrong. It's like, well, bro, have you read any of the books that I've ever read? Probably not. Most don't. And it's frustrating because they still talk to me as though we're equal. And that's why I kind of stay away from people in person because in person people try to measure you up, but on the internet, they can't. Millie. And to get to this abundance, you said more vending machines, more doors, less working for other men. Yeah, I forgot I said that today. But like, that's that's honestly a big part of the reason why we've been able to do this is because I don't allow myself to limit myself. So when we had the stock market investment club, it grew and it grew and it grew. And it probably did more than people thought we should have done. We had 300 members. People were like, man, that's doing too much. Um, and the problem is I couldn't grow it anymore because you can't necessarily market an investment club, but you can market an investment community where we don't actually put the money together. We just share information and ideas. And so the investment club has grown to 3,500 members, which is insane, Raphael. It blows my mind sometimes. But the only reason why it's so big is because I don't limit myself. I keep going. I keep pushing. I keep hustling. I don't allow myself to have a roof and I don't think any of us should have a roof because even that's not no money. I'm like, we still need more. I'm like, we could probably like the way we could polish this up, we could probably get to a thousand. But all we really did is we created our own little social network. Like the community is a social network. People come in, they socialize, they get questions asked, they talk to other people, we network. So I I just, I believe in more. And I think that's the 10X in me. And I think that's the, the search for abundance in me. And I know that the more that I acquire, the easier life gets. The more doors you have, the easier life gets. The more vending machines you have, the easier life gets. It might not look like it's easy because people are like, man, well, now you got to have all these tenants calling you. Tennis don't call me no more, man. They call Sheridan. And that's what allows me to do what I'm doing. That's what allows me to focus on more. Um, and pretty soon Sheridan's going to have an assistant. And that's my goal. I was like, I want my peeps to be managers. I want my peeps to have people working for them. I want to really grow this. And that's why I have to be focused on more because I can't grow if I'm not acquiring. I can't grow if I'm not pushing. I can't grow if we're not doing more. And so if we do more, if we have more podcast episodes, if we just keep dominating the airwaves, I posted something on Jay Morris's page and he clicked like on it today. And I realized, I think he knows who I am. I mean, I know he knows who I am. We've interacted before. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he was on the, he was on the, he was on the, uh, he was on the conference. Um, he was supposed to be on our podcast. And so like, I know he knows who I am, but like, that's what happens is I told people, I was like, in the beginning, I had approached Jay Morrison and he kind of like, didn't really respond. And so I just kind of right. get back on my grind. And like other people had brought me to him. They're like, man, you got to talk to Charles, blah, blah, blah. And like, it never really connected, but I just chose to just keep hustling, keep pushing my agenda out there because people who are dope are going to want to work with you once they see that you're going to get it with or without them. Like nobody wants to feel like you're come up. Nobody wants to feel like they were used. And so if you show that you're going to get it and they don't got to help you to get it, then they're more prone to come to you as a partner. And so now we could do work as a partner because I feel like I am a qualified and educated individual who's had some success and is growing even more successful. Um, and maybe we can hop in and do some, some, maybe we could do like a crowdfunding deal our own, but I just, that's why I push towards more, um, more is freeing. Some people might think that more is more work, but more to me is going to give me the life that I want. Cause Raphael, I want, I want it all, man. I want the nice car. I want the nice places. I want the nice clothes. I'm not going to do no ignorant stuff. Like I don't need the Gucci loafers. 
and all that stuff, but there are certain nice things that I want. Like, I'm not trying to really do, mm-hmm. be like cliche. I don't want to be the cliche rich Negro. And that's why I got a Panerai anyway. Like my watch costs as much. I could have got a Rolex for that much, especially with the two. And I, I could, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't even think I want to get a Rolex. I really don't think I want a Rolex. I like buying watches that are nice, but aren't like, oh, like watches? hood rich. Yeah. I don't want to be hood yeah, rich, yeah. man. So. Because everybody knows what a Rolex is. Right. right. You can wear it, you can wear it and people look at it and they don't even know what it is. Like, they, they know it's something, but they're like, I don't know, I've never seen that before. Yeah, it's a nice, they're like, it's a nice watch, like a nice looking watch, but like, they can probably look at it and tell its qualities, but they don't know. Because there's no resale value for it in the hood. The Panerai ain't getting nothing in the hood. Nope. Can't nope. get nothing for Maybe it. Maybe if I put diamonds on them, but iced out Panerai. Even then, because they don't know, man. Um, real quick, when you uh, you want to tell us real quick that tweet that I, I talked about before about buying four homes at once with confidence. Want to tell us what that what that deal was about, real quick? Oh, so um, I I told y'all on the last podcast, I was like, I'm looking for the next Detroit. Um, Detroit has gotten too hot. And I'm not going to get behind some wholesalers that want crazy numbers for their properties. Um, I'm not going to buy a bad deal. The deal has to make money when I buy it. I'm not buying it. Um, and so there was a wholesaler, a Caucasian wholesaler. <laughs> I shouldn't even call him that because he probably listens to this. But there's a there's a wholesaler on 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 a Twitter, and I kind of interact with him before. He had sent me some deals. Um, the numbers are attractive. They're kind of what I like to pay for a house. I mean, I feel like you don't really even figure out what you like to pay for a house until you've bought some homes. I know what's high and I know what's low and I know what I like to pay to get the ROI that I want. And I feel like my risk to reward ratio is fair. So he posted a deal and I, I saw it and I knew it was a deal. The moment I saw it, I knew it was a deal. Um, so uh, how I, sent him I like, saw the same post. I saw the same post. There wasn't much detail in that post. So how did you know that was a deal? Because I shop a lot of real estate. I'm always looking at stuff and I look at stuff that, so one of the reasons why I knew it was a deal was the amount of homes, the purchase price, and the fact that they were all tenant occupied. Tenant occupied tells me something. It tells me that it's not a good rehab. It tells me that the home in its current condition is suitable for somebody to live in. It tells me that I'm walking into immediate cash flow. Um, But the most important thing is just knowing that you're not walking into a gut rehab. So, because you never know what a gut rehab is going to turn into. so if it's if it's if it's in that condition, you know there's a hot water tank and a furnace. You know the roof is good. You know whatever, and I'm still gonna inspect it and double check because sometimes there is some deferred maintenance there. But that's the risk right. you take, and you also have the time to do that inspection. But I'd rather get it under contract and then find out that it doesn't fit my criteria, then try to figure out those things before I put the offer in. You put the offer in, you get it under contract, and then you start doing your due diligence. A lot of people think they have to do their due diligence before. One thing that I did do was I sent somebody out there to take pictures of the property to make sure that it's all there, because I've made that mistake before. We bought a house once, and I didn't send somebody out to look, and the Google pictures, you could see it on the front. It was a great looking house. You go see it in person, look nothing like the pictures. It was bad. They, somebody came through, stripped all the windows, stripped all the doors. Um, and there's a fire on the backhand side. So the whole backside was charred out. Granted, now that we've, we've held it for long enough, the, it's a, it's a two family and the rehab is like 30 grand. So we could be in all in this property for 15 per side. That's great. 15 per side, rent it out for 700 bucks per side. Now we're getting 50% ROI. That's my kind of numbers. And so in Detroit, that's why I told somebody when I find another market that looks like that, I'm going to be greedy while I can because you never know when that's going to end. And they're doing a lot of investment. The more I find out, they're going to be putting like an MLS stadium in St. Louis. 
They're going to do a lot of other stuff in St. Louis. They're building up that whole area. It's like five minutes from like the downtown area. So I say all that to say that what I ended up getting was a package of four properties, $75,000 because um, it's in another Midwest market. And I only really buy stuff in Midwest because stuff cash flow is in the Midwest. I have a friend who I go to lunch with and I work with. He's an attorney. Sometimes attorneys are too smart for their own good. And he was like in the process of buying a home in Jacksonville. And I was like, bro, like, if you don't think I've looked at all those markets, you're mistaken. I've looked at everything. I told you, I knew it was a deal because I shop real estate. If I come to this office, I'm looking at deals. I'm looking at trucks. I'm looking at vending machines. I'm looking at homes. I'm talking to wholesalers. Like, that's just what I do. And so for me, because I've bought stuff, because I've been in this space, because I've paid for certain repairs, because I've dealt with taking over tenants, I'm not afraid with taking over tenants. Um, all this stuff. I'm, I'm very competent and confident that I'm going to do what I'm doing. And if it works out perfectly, great. If I run into mistakes, which I likely will, we're going to pivot and we're going to figure out how to capitalize. But that's what business owners do. We're constantly just putting ourselves out there and capitalizing on what comes. So each one's renting for about 600 bucks a month. Um, so if you do the math, that's $2,400. It's about uh, like a 30% return, I would say, roughly. Um, but my goal is to increase those rents. My goal is to get those rents up to seven or eight. Um, but even still, my thing is, I just want to take cash and turn it into cash flow. So it's it's like Chris was talking about. He's like, if you have $50,000 and you buy a house, people think they bought a house and they lost the money. Like, no, you just took 50 grand and you put it over here. And now after a year, I have $75,000 in real estate equity, plus I'll have $25,000 or maybe like $30,000 in cash flow. So what I really have, I really have $105,000. The next year, I get another $30,000. Now I have $135,000. And so I'm taking my cash, I'm turning it into cash flow for the purpose of replacing my wife's income. And so sometimes you need that motivation. I would rather, I would, I don't like, cause I don't want the cash. Cash to me is not empowering. An asset is empowering. But if I just have cash sitting in a checking account, it's like, okay, what are we going to do? Live out of this cash? Like, no, we're going to turn it into cash flow. We'll live out of the asset. We'll live out of the cash flow from the asset. It's cash, asset, cash. You take your cash, you buy an asset, you live out of the cash that asset produces. That's how you get wealthy and stay wealthy. Think about it. Instead of me, if, if I were to take that 65 grand that's in my account on Monday, it'll be about 75, 80, maybe like 75. Um, and I'm not even closing for another two weeks. So it's like, I have another two weeks worth of income coming in. So let's say now we have 90 in there and now I pay 75 and I got 15 to hold on to, but I have that 75 and now I'm getting a check each, four people pay me 600 bucks. Yeah, I got taxes, insurance and maintenance, but I factor that in. I'm really only expecting to pocket about 1200 bucks a month. But for me, the thing is, let's say if I were to take that 65 grand or 75 grand and take 2,500 away per month. I would have all my money gone by three years. I'd have no money anymore. Three years. Like, yeah, it'd be cool. I had 2,500 coming in after three years, but I would still have that option if I have the property. So that's just how I think. I think that you got to acquire assets. And this is just the beginning. This is why we have this office. We have this office to focus on acquiring assets. It's a family office. If I'm not acquiring, and, the, and also the strategy is to refinance out that cash. So kind of what I want to do is acquire these and then pull out like 80% of that cash and then take that cash and then buy more doors and then pull out the cash again and buy more doors and pull out the cash again. My goal was 20 doors. It's on that board, which also there was a DTLA development on that board, own office on that board. And it's just crazy when you put stuff out there, you walk into it. You don't think you're going to walk into it, but it just manifests, man. It really comes to you. And it's crazy how it works, but it does. So I wanted to ask about that because I think people that listen to the show, they like to hear like behind the scenes stuff. It's very educational. 
So let me ask so, you this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I feel like we got a lot of like bosses that listen to this podcast, but I feel like we got a lot of people that also still working jobs and they try to get their way and they don't know everything. I mean, I, I sometimes think, assume that people that listen to this show are very sophisticated, but not everybody is. And let me know if this sounds right to you. So the formula basically are like the way you've done it and the way I guess a lot of us should do it is you start off by buying an asset and doing the work yourself and then from doing the work yourself you move to like self-managing the asset and that's what you're doing you're trying to get away from that so you can focus on acquiring acquisitions but then there's another step right you want to once you want to move above that and then let somebody else be in charge of acquisitions correct yeah yeah the funny thing is if you go work for a business, you go through the same process. You start low, you work high. Um, when we were looking at our house, we were being, we were, I was talking to the, um, I was talking to the guy who was like the, I guess he's like the supervisor and he's super young. And I was asking, I was like, how did, how did you get here, man? How did you get to this point? And he was telling me, he was like, he started out sweeping floors. He started, he started sweeping floors and he just said, hey, I know I'm educated. I have a degree. I was in the military. He was like, I shouldn't be sweeping floors, but I'm going to sweep these floors as best as I can. And then he went to the next promotion, then the next promotion, this the next promotion. And so it's like, I kind of see myself as interning for my own business. And so it's like, if you see me out there and I am doing vending machine routes, it's so I'm learning how to do it because you can't really hand off that assignment unless you know how to do it. There's a lot of people who like, they just delegate. I know a guy who I went to college with him. He was a master delegator. He got a lot of comments because he delegated. I was never really able to delegate. Um, I'm able to delegate now, even like pr property management stuff. I can do it because I've done it. And so it was like Sheridan brought me an issue this week. And I was like, Sheridan, that that's just a phone call. Call Michael. And it's like, it wasn't a crisis because I've been a property manager for two years, three years and time flies. And you look up and you've, you've got, you've kind of progressed. And so I would just say that that is kind of how I do it. I don't know if it's because I want to or because I have to, because it's very difficult to hire these things out when your budget is slim. But the thing is, is I know where I want to go. And so I'm not willing to let the company go broke by hiring out in the beginning. And so I'd rather be that person in the beginning. And then as the company also becomes more profitable, then I can start hiring it out as well. Right. Well, I said all that because, I mean, the people that this podcast is aimed at are pretty much like black people. And most of the people that listen to this are not like black people on the level of like a Jay Morrison or Robert F. Smith or something. Like most of us are getting it out of the mud. So it's kind of like the formula that we are going to have to take. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with it. Start off by acquiring assets and doing the work yourself, move, then moving into just managing the people that do it and then moving from self-managing to just doing acquisitions and let other people manage it. And then what's the next step after that? You hire somebody to do acquisitions and then then what? What's the next step for you, Charles? You just be the CEO and then you just talk to managers. Um, Manage to managers. I learned, I, I learned a lot of this from, I learned a lot about this from watching other bosses. And so like in the firm that I work in, the boss never talks to the staff. And I think I talked about this in the last podcast. He right. only talks to managers and he's very, very harsh on those managers, but he's not going around talking to everybody individually. And maybe that's so he can continue to focus at a high level because when you're there, your job is growth. Your job is pushing the vision, expanding the vision, coming up with the vision, not being in the weeds. I can't grow the company if I'm talking to tenants. I can't grow the company if I'm talking to contractors. I can't grow the company 
if I'm talking to investors, even that you got to have an investor management person in part because it can also kind of weigh down in your psyche. It's like, I don't want to talk to these people that have to deal with their problems. I don't want to do that. I would rather focus on the high level stuff than be out here dealing on transactional stuff. And I feel like it's because you have to get to the point where you're touching more people. And if you operate at this level, you touch more people. If you operate down here, now you're doing one-to-one. So I write my one-to-one relationships be with people who have more reach. So now I'm just dealing with managers. Now I'm just dealing with the media manager. Now I'm just talking about what our vision is for what we're going to do. Now I'm just talking with the real estate manager and I'm talking about our vision for what we're going to do. And then he goes to his people and they do that. If I'm spending my time finding a plumber for one house, I'm not spending my time finding another company to buy. And finding another company to buy is going to take it to the next level. Finding a plumber is going to keep us at the same level. I got to focus on next level activities, not same level activities activities. So this one is interesting. You said people who don't know finance, but just read hot finance tips. Yep. I have a ghost account and I'll be sliding over there into the ghetto and I'll be looking at how they be living and the stuff that we talk about investing in like cryptocurrency savings accounts and silver bars. And I'm like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? Forex? I'm just like, where do these people get these ideas from? And it's unfortunate because they have influence and so they have the ability to sway other people. But like I realize a lot of these folks need us and it might sound kind of crazy, but, and it's unfortunate, but we got to stop downplaying education. We got to stop downplaying people who went to school and all that other stuff because it's like people will come for me and they don't realize like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the average N word that has nothing behind his name. So it's like, you might, you could probably count out a lot of other people. You can probably criticize and question what a lot of other people say, but I'm not one of those people. I've been doing this. I have the credentials to back it. I tell people like I got through law school sleeping in my car. I wasn't like homeless, but like if I got out of studying and I didn't want to drive home because it was about an hour to drive home, I'll just get in the back seat, go to sleep, wake up and walk right back into the library. I'm a worker. I will work until the library closes and I'll walk in when that library opens. And I'm, I apply that same tenacity to what, what I'm doing now. I was in I was in this office last night till about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, got home at midnight. I'm, 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 I don't know if I'm going to do the same thing tonight. I'm kind of tired, but, <laughs> but it's a Friday and it's still 7.30, 7.40. We're in the office. I'm over here thinking about different deals, talking to contractors, hitting up people for vending machines on a Saturday. And I will come here tomorrow sometime and I, I, I get it in. So I just, I feel like there's a difference and I can, and I can spot it. There's a difference between people who were like taught finance and taught investing because my knowledge isn't just, my knowledge isn't just that I went to college. Also, every job I've had, had training associated with it. So when you go to Edward Jones, you get your series seven, you get your series 66 and they teach you how to profile clients. They teach you all these different things. When I went to Chase, I did the same thing. I already had my licenses, so I didn't have to do all that stuff, but you go to all these different courses, all these different like trainings. You literally have to go to like these two-day trainings and you sit there and all this stuff. It was cool when I was in Edward Jones because they would fly us out to Arizona, put us up in a hotel, fly. I was there for like a whole week. Um, but I just, I noticed it. And it's like, for me, when I was able to spot that cr- cryptocurrency wasn't an investment, when I was able to spot that like these blessing looms weren't an investment, Um, it's, it's not, it's because I know this stuff. I'm not just learning this stuff. I didn't just pick up a book and read it. If you listen to a lot of people's interviews, they're like, well, how'd you get interested in investing? Oh, well, I read Benjamin Graham's book, Intelligent Investing. And then I started trying it out. And I was like, I've read that book, but you also got to also got to read. I've read a whole other books. I read a whole other books that I don't even talk about. I also have all the education to back it up. So it's like my investment knowledge is thorough. 
people came to me because it's their role. Even people who left, they followed me because they knew what I was talking about. And now the, I have them all blocked and they can't steal my shit. They just be out there just guessing. Like, this looks like a good investment opportunity. This looks like I should probably, this, this is a good ROI. And, and then they bought all that cryptocurrency bullshit and then it crashed. And I was like, I told you it wasn't an investment from the beginning. There's nothing substantiating it. It was just a big idea. There's nothing driving it. And you have to know what drives investments to know if it's a good investment. And so a lot of people, they're not doing that. Even with gold and silver, like I don't really believe those are investments. And Robert Kiyosaki, he's great, but I feel like education allows you to sift through stuff. And Robert Kiyosaki, he's, oh, I I invest in gold and silver. I don't listen to everything Robert Kiyosaki says. Robert Kiyosaki says some crazy shit sometimes. Um, But the thing is, if all you know is the books you read and you haven't actually been in vetted educational environments, you might be in for a world of hurt. And so it's like, just like I can listen to Dave Ramsey or listen to to Chris Hogan and I can kind of vet them, the education in me allows me to vet anything that I access. And so everything I see, I'm sifting through. Like, okay, does this make sense? It's not make sense. I'm not just taking it at face value and hoping for the best. That's you, man. Well, on that note, let's wind it down. Listeners, I'm let you, be sure let you wrap it up, man. Be sure to check the show notes for all the books that were mentioned in the show. We'll have links to them all in the show notes. So check that out. Uh, be on the lookout for the Black Man Building Wealth Conference Part Two coming in October. It's so funny. Uh, everybody else is forced now to do virtual conferences. Yeah. Anyway, look out for the conference coming in October. Andre Hatchet, Charles Oglesby, and who knows who else will be there. Be on the lookout for that. Make sure you get your views duffel bag. You I look out for the money. Ba- I'm gonna call it the money bag. That's so much. I'm gonna change the name to the views money bag. Branding is so important. Yeah, it's that bag, man. It's that bag. Get your views money bag. You know, stun on them. We gotta get it in. Maybe we should get it in some uh, rappers' videos. Or something. <laughs> see if we can off. work. On, see if we can work on that. Be sure to let Sheridan know. I'll be reaching out to her, please. Um, yeah. What else? So be sure to go to TodCapital.co, get all the money-making resources. Shout out to the show sponsors, investorsateam.com, and get lace laces. Check them out. Get that product. Upgrade your wardrobe. Yeah. Um, so follow us on Twitter. You can follow me, Raphael, at WorkMoneyLife. Follow Charles on Twitter at Todd Billion. Follow her. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion and also at Todd.Capital. Also at Bless a Black Man. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast and follow the luggage brand at Views Lifestyle underscore. And be on the lookout for the YouTube channel, Tweet Talk Podcast YouTube channel. It's already out there. We'll start putting up some videos very soon. Be on the lookout for that. And there will be more coming. More, more, more. So I'll just leave you guys with one last tweet from Charles. Keep hustling. Episode 57, Tweet Talk, Raphael and Charles, we are out. Yeah, yeah. Yes, this is Donald the Voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk podcast, featuring, of course, Charles Oglesby and the man Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag, you know what I can do. And so, without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you have podcasts or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm give you a real, real nice deal. 
but you have to mention that you're a Tweak Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holla at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweak Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.